You just think we just, you know, whatever happens, we just shit another player. I, and everything's going to be perfect. All of our fans think that. You all think that. That's what you write about. Unacceptable in all areas. Unacceptable coaching, unacceptable playing, unacceptable effort. Not what we're about. You don't want to be here. There's a specific reason. Not really, you know, I, I think we did a poor job recruiting if guys are coming in and immediately walking out the door because it was something different than what they thought it would be. We lied to them during recruiting or we, we sold them on a dream that wasn't true. Certainly, like I said, coach our kids to, to do the right thing. And, uh, you know, play with poise, play with confidence, play with dignity, play with class. At the same time, we're not going to take anyone's shit either. We want to be a big, fast, dominating, aggressive, relentless football team that nobody in the SEC wants to play. Now, that's also a second in the West, baby. Yes, sir. Hey, hey, I don't like getting it. It's the only time we're ever getting excited about second. From now on, it's first, okay? All I want to do is fucking eat. I want you to eat. I want you to eat. I want you to want this shit. Welcome in to the latest episode of That SEC Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter, and I'm joined as always by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Vols on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? Hey, buddy, what's going on? <laughs> Doing good, Shane. Just got done with the big college football playoff rankings reveal, so we'll just start right there. And, you know, not a ton of shakeup, but the biggest news, in my opinion, we got some, you know, two of the biggest movers this week were in the SEC. So LSU, number one team in the nation. I think everyone kind of saw that coming after beating Alabama. So they jumped Ohio State. Ohio State's still there at the top at number two. We got Clemson making a big jump. I believe they were five last week. They're three now. And that's, of course, because Alabama lost. Alabama Jumped by Georgia. That's kind of surprising. Mm. Georgia's number four. Alabama, number five. So they're still in the playoff hunt. And then uh, the last two teams, SEC teams listed here, Florida, number 11. Auburn, number 12. They both dropped a spot. I think that was because Minnesota took a big jump up. But uh, thoughts on those, Shane? Georgia, I think, is kind of stunning there at number four over Alabama. What have we seen from the Bulldogs that makes us think they're better than Alabama at this point? Ooh, that's the thing, man. I mean, the schedule, Georgia's schedule has obviously been a little rougher than mm-hmm. Alabama's. You know, I think they're looking at the Florida win. but uh, And Notre uh, Dame. Notre Dame's ranked two, so they've got two ranked yeah, wins there. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, those guys. <laughs> but anyway, I think the, like, like the real teams that they've played, I think the Florida one is the big one because it just happened. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's I still think it's a little too early to overreact to this thing. But it definitely does raise your eyebrow because here you've got the University of Alabama uh, barely losing to the number one team in the nation. And then, you know, you've got Georgia ahead of them and they lost to South Carolina. So, you know, uh, what are your thoughts? I mean, if you if, if you just look at that, the body of proof, not when they lost or how they lost or anything mm-hmm. like that, just – I mean, do you think that Alabama should be ahead of Georgia right now, or are you good with the way things are? Well, before I get into that, Shane, I just thought of something. I don't want to get off the beaten path here too much. But based on these rankings, this top four, you could say South Carolina's got the best win in the nation this year. <laughs> <laughs> and the coach is on the hot seat. What in the Ugh. world's going on here? 
course, I'm kidding. But Georgia is the you know the top ranked loss one yeah. loss team. So, uh, yeah, I think I don't know. I guess it just depends on how this committee is going to do it. I think the biggest thing it, they they look for is kind of like the resume of these teams, because otherwise, th- I think mm-hmm. Alabama is should be ranked ahead of Georgia. But it's kind of like you said, you know, they got the win over Florida. That's crucial. Florida's number eleven in the nation. Notre Dame, I don't have their ranking right here in front of me, but they're like 16, so that's another high-ranking win. And then I think the way they're kind of projecting it, Auburn's number 12, if Georgia beats them, I mean, they'll have three really good wins, whereas Alabama will have essentially none. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess that's what they're looking at. I, I think that's kind of the way you have to do it because, you know, you could certainly say, you know, on paper, Georgia would beat the hell out of South Carolina, right? But – we just watched the game. We saw the game a month ago, and, and South right. Carolina won it. So you just can't go purely off, you know, who you think is going to win this game. You have to factor in what has actually happened. Yeah, well, I, I don't know. It's it's almost like they're like like honestly, if both these teams win out, there's no way you're keeping Georgia out of the out of the playoffs. You know what I'm saying? So right. it's like, what do they have to lose by putting Georgia in the four spot and Alabama in the five? I think you create controversy. If you put Alabama in front of them and then Alabama wins out, and at some point you've got to jump them. So I think, I mean, that has to be, kind of be weighing in the back of their minds, you know. Now let me ask you this scenario, Shane. I don't want to get too far down the rabbit hole here, but so we got Ohio State, number two, Clemson, number three. I don't know who those teams are playing or whatever, you, but let's say one of those teams loses to anyone down the stretch. LSU wins out. Georgia no. wins out. Alabama wins out. Georgia beats LSU in the SEC championship game. I think Georgia makes it. I think LSU makes it. And like I said, if Ohio State or Clemson loses, won't we slide on Alabama and they've got three <laughs> SEC teams? <laughs> oh, man, I would love it, dude. I would absolutely love it. You know it's going to happen one day. And I just hope that it happens this year. I think our best shot, honestly, though, is Ohio State. We've got to have them lose at some point. Right. Clemson's cupcake schedule, I just don't see it happening. <laughs> well, I mean, unless they play North Carolina again, you know. <laughs> I think you've, you've already forgotten your, your boldest pick of the preseason there, Shane. Oh, man, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm kind of – maybe, you know what, maybe I put some money on Clemson and just see how things go, you know. Maybe I just – Uh-oh, put – Put the Shane curse on Clemson. I put the curse on Clemson, and and then there we go. We wrap this thing up. I get three teams in the SEC cha- or the in the uh, national playoffs, and uh, everybody be thanking me. So yeah, maybe I'll just uh, use my my power for the good. I think you. It's I think you really bucks. you really owe it to South Carolina at this point yeah, to do I, it. <laughs> I really do. You know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it regardless. My money, regardless of the spread, is going on Clemson. Uh, whenever that game is. That's final game of the season, regular season. So I'm going to go ahead and say that. <laughs> All right. I owe it. I do owe them. They're due, man. <laughs> you ready to go around the league? Let's do it, man. Now let's go now around let's the go league. Around the league. Uh, my, my daughters said something about me wearing a visor and need to put on a hat because I'm getting bald. So uh, <laughs> I'm going to wear a hat from here on out. I mean, if you look over the next six years, I think we played Miami three times, Florida State six times, South Florida three times, Mississippi State once. So who's the SEC teams? You know, I mean, I don't think I think it's an injustice for the kids. They should, we should mix those games up, and you should. 
um, you know, play more teams from the West. Why don't you start calling around and see if you can get somebody else to play us, and we'll play them. We'll play anybody you can get to play us. In Louisiana, hold on a second. Hey, guys! Hey! I'm having a press conference, okay? Thank you! All right, Shane, let's start it off here in Columbia, Missouri. M-I-Z! Barry Odom met with the media here on Tuesday, and it sounds like we got some good news on Kelly Bryant. Sounds like he is going to play. That's going to be huge. Uh, we'll get to Odom's comments on Bryant here in a minute, but just sounds like in that last game he was really close heading into that Georgia game, but... You know, he could run on a straight line, he says, but he couldn't go side to side. That's obviously going to limit an athletic running quarterback like Kelly Bryant. So it sounds like they've held him out for his best interest. Now that we know all indications, Kelly Bryant's going to play. Missouri has just been a completely different team at home. Any chance here, they've beaten Florida two years in a row. It seems like they always play the Gators fairly tough. Not putting the Gators on upset alert by any means. I mean, these two teams are, you know, one's trending up, one's trending down. Mm-hmm. But any chance here, Missouri, the back's against their wall, you know, catches lightning in the bottle here and, and makes this thing interesting. And keep in mind, when this spread came out, it was only, I believe, five in favor of the Gators. So it seems like uh, Vegas is expecting a close game here, too. No, I don't. Unless <laughs> I mean, and I don't mean to be ugly or mean, but I just I, I think they lost their spark, man. You yeah. know, and I think that spark went out there when Kale went down. Uh, you know, because honestly, this Missouri offense was serviceable, was good at times when Kelly was a hundred percent, but this defense is night and day from when Garrett was back there as a captain. You know, mm-hmm. uh, and and when you take that out and. I don't know, man. I think there's a lot of pressure on Kelly Bryant to make things happen and he's going to they're they're asking him to do it with his legs and he wasn't even he wasn't even enough percent to do it last week. What makes you think this week all of a sudden he's going to be, you know, Michael Vick out there running around? It's not it's not going to happen. Yeah, and as kind of Barry Odom gets to in just a moment here, he was asked, you know, what is going on with this offense? It was not that long ago, Shane. They were averaging something like 42 points per game. Mm-hmm. Now, they were kind of feasting on a soft schedule. I get that. but And then they ran into Vanderbilt, which you would figure would go right back in that. Kentucky, which is a solid team. And then Georgia, which is obviously an outstanding defense. But, I mean, it, they're just – I mean, zero against Georgia. I mean, they're barely scoring against Vanderbilt and Kentucky. Yeah, It's just – it's trending in the wrong direction, obviously, and it's not like the Gators are any slouch on defense either. So, did you? I mean, did you see what they did to the quarterback last week? What do you think they're going to do to Kelly? You know, they're going to apply the pressure, and you know, something that that Dan talks about here in a second. You know, these they slept on these guys last year, mm-hmm. and 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 it cost them. And I think that hurts Missouri's chance for an upset this year. You know, it's one thing to upset them one year. But two years in a row, yeah, that's that's a tough feat. All right, Shay. Well, let's kick it over to Barry Odom talking about this uh, Kelly Bryant latest on him. Uh, you know, on on working their way back from this tough deficit, and then uh, on the offense and what in the world has happened here in the recent weeks since this uh, the Ole Miss game was the last game they really showed any life on offense. Folks, you said Kelly's doing good. Do you expect him to play on Saturday? Do you not 
I do, yeah, I, I, I do, and I think he's gotten clearance from our medical staff uh, on, on being in position to go play, and he looked good today running around, uh, was able to execute and function the way that we need him to, and uh, fully anticipating, unless there's a setback, uh, fully anticipating uh, playing and playing well. Yeah, that was hard last week because he really wanted to. He also, you know, you look and, and be honest and, and open about it, and he understood that he was not in a position, you know, could he go run a straight line? Yeah, he probably could, but the change of direction, the things that as we got closer to game time, he would not have been able to function in, in the way we needed the quarterback to in that game. So I, I know who we are, and, and we're, you know, at this point last year, and every team's different. They were nine games in, we were five and four. Five and four, nine games in this year. Okay, let's go to work. And the more that you listen and you feel sorry for your, nobody feels sorry for us, right? You go, you go work and things are not going to be handed to you. It's not easy. There's not anything in life worth anything that's going to be easy. So this is, this is another wall. This is another obstacle. This is another thing you've got to continue to battle through. And as soon as you give in to negative noise, then you fail and don't give yourself a chance to go play your best. So the hunger's still there. We're going to go play well. We're going to continue to prepare. And um, we'll get 11 guys offensively, defensively, and kicking ready to go play when their number's called. Uh, I think you look at... Um, for whatever reason we've struggled and you know, I, I've got reasons I, I believe in and have seen, uh, we haven't been able to run the ball. And we also, uh, to the level that we need to, we also haven't been able to connect in some vertical passing games. So I think that hurts a little bit in, you know, you go three and out and then you've got to really your belief and your confidence level on what it takes to go get the next first down. Okay, you've got to be a mentally tough dude to continue to fight through that. And then you struggle a little bit more and you maybe turn the ball over and you get down in the red area and you miss a field goal. Those things are heavy if you allow them to be. And we, we've let that creep in a little bit. We've got to find ways. Playmakers got to find ways to battle out of it. Competitors do. And then coaches, we've got to give them an opportunity and find ways uh, to go. It's third and two, we got to find a way to get two and a half. It's third and seven, we got to get eight. Whatever it is, we've got to get the first first down. We can do that and kind of get in the rhythm of what we are offensively. Um, it is, it's, uh, you know, disappointing. It's, you know, worked uh, offensively with, with ideas on things that can get us going and get us out of the, the slump. But we, we got to go do it. we gotta, we got to execute. we got to find ways um, to, to move forward because that's, you know, we're, we're running out of opportunities to go get that done. So the urgency, the here and the now of finding ways to do it, we're, it's obviously on us, and we gotta, we got to go get it done. It sure does seem like it's getting cold up there in Missouri because <laughs> Barry Odom is, I don't know, he's putting us to sleep over here with these ones. Doesn't seem like he's got much answers for anything. And, you know, it was interesting you asked me about the hot seat with Barry Odom because I certainly don't think that he is any kind of hot seat because the truth of the matter is they are not paying him a ton, so it's not like he's got this, you know, they're not paying him all this money and then he's giving them no results. He's one of the lowest paid coaches in the SEC, and his program is, I know they've had a, you know, a slide here that's uh, it's not something the fans wanted to see, but they're not at the bottom of the SEC either. Right. Now, now they need to show something here. I mean, uh, it, it can quickly go from a guy that, 
is not on the hot seat to we need to get rid of this guy if he's getting blown out here. How mm-hmm. how big is this, particularly at home? They got Florida at home. They got Tennessee at home. And then they go to Arkansas, which is going to have an interim coach. You know, if they go one and two, I'm not saying not saying he's going to be out by any means, but particularly if he gets blown out against Florida and maybe even Tennessee the way they're playing, I think Barry Odom is kind of going to be in a similar spot as old Will Muschamp. Absolutely, man. Five games kid, you know, you're looking at. I mean, and who knows what's going on with Arkansas. I think Arkansas is in a pretty good position. You know, you always see it when you have the interim. You saw it with Florida State. They came out and they won the game. Sometimes mm-hmm. uh, sometimes a little shakeup with the coaching staff just fires up the roster again. So uh, that's also another sneaky one on their schedule. So there's there's potential that they could lose. They could close the season with six losses and not even not even have the ability to get a bowl game. Forget, forget the bowl ban. They may not even need it, you know? Well, let's kick it over to the other side of this matchup, Shane. Let's go on down to Gainesville. Dan Mullen met with the media here on Monday to preview this matchup, and obviously we hit on it there just briefly there. They just destroyed Vanderbilt. They play the same caliber of football here against Missouri. They're going to do the same to the Tigers. I don't care where this game is played. But it is interesting that Missouri has played this team very tough. Mm -hmm. They snuck up on them last year. Really wasn't even as close as the score indicated, and the I, I think it was like thirty-eight seventeen or something. I mean, it was mm-hmm. just it was just a whipping. And Dan Mullen kind of gets on this here in a second, but it seems like that game was big for Florida in kind of similar to Kentucky game, where it seemed like when the players maybe weren't fully buying in, and I think Dan Mullen instead of you know got going irate or what have you, he just said, you know, this is what happens if you don't follow the plan. If you don't take to coaching, because after these losses, I mean, it's just like they flipped a switch and it seems like it's already happened early because you lose to Georgia. That was a big question. How do they respond against Vanderbilt? Well, they they sure as hell responded here. And I kind of expect them to do the same here against Missouri. (laughs) I think you're right. I think these these. You never can count Missouri out. I mean, they've got enough talent on that roster to beat just about anybody in the SEC. Mm-hmm. I believe that. And there's been flashes of it. You know, there's been flashes of it this season, but you know, they they've they've kind of they've kind of had some issues here toward the late, but if they can stop Florida from running the ball and make them one-dimensional, I think they could have a, an opportunity to make this a ball game. Mm-hmm. I, because I think I think Kelly can keep them in it if he truly is a hundred percent. But that's something they really had a hard time doing. Ever since Ole Miss, they've averaged about two hundred rushing yards against them. You know, it's just they've they've not had the ability to slow down any rushing attack, and that's why these teams are just kind of manhandling them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely going to be a tough outing here, but we got to see some life from Missouri, and that point spread makes me think that we may, you know, this could be like a rallying game where they know, I mean, hell, this may be their bowl game. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because it doesn't sound, at this rate, I don't expect any kind of resolution. I don't know if they're going to just continue to fight it. Remember, they're technically bowl eligible while the appeal's going, but if you're just going to be a, you know, a six-win team, are you really – I don't know if you're really fighting it at that point. I don't know. Well, that remains to be seen. But I'm very curious to see what we're going to get from this game. But one thing I did note 
on my rewatch there of the Florida Vanderbilt game, Shane, Kadarius Toney, he seems to be rounding back into form for the Gators. That's huge. I mean, we know Florida's already loaded at receiver, but getting back arguably their most explosive player on offense, uh, I mean, he just went off there against Vanderbilt starting around into form. It just makes the Gators that much more dangerous, and it's, it's really a shame that he missed so much time because – it would have been interesting to see how their season played out had he been available for more games, you know what? Yeah, definitely. Well, let's kick it over to Dan Mullenshane, who talks about Kadarius Toney on uh, playing at 11 a.m. in Columbia. We'll see if <laughs> see who that favors this weekend. And then, uh, like I kind of hinted at earlier on how last season's loss to Missouri may have actually helped his Florida program. What is the challenge of playing in Columbia at 11 a.m.? Um, in November. That's not Florida. That's why we live in Florida. I was looking at their temperature right now. It's like 22 and snowing. Huh? The eight. Yeah. <laughs> it's like cold. But it's a dry eight, I've heard. Right? <laughs> it's a dry cold. No. Uh, <laughs> um... No, you know what? It'll be what it'll be. You got to go up and you got to play. Uh, to me, you know, I mean, an early morning kick. We've played some early morning kicks. I like it. Get up and go play. Uh, if you're a competitor, I don't care. Like I said, I don't care. Put the ball down at two o'clock in the morning in the middle of a parking lot. Let's go play. And if if that's not your mindset, I mean, you're not really a competitor. I don't care about the the situation, the atmosphere, where we're in. Competitors want to go play, no matter what the situation is. So, uh, get ready to go. Get up there. Uh, go and find a way to find a way to get a win. Uh, first, yeah, you kind of set me up. Said put the ball down at two a.m. It was last year after that Missouri loss when you you know gave the whole if you want a thumb wrestle speech, I'll beat you right now. Yeah. How did you see the guys respond to that that following week? And I think you rolled off ten straight after that loss. We did. Well, it was yeah. Then they they responded good. Uh, no, I think it is. I think it's guys learning about just making sure they understand what it means to be a competitor sometimes, you know, and and how to handle it and and to how to focus on, on what's important. You know, I think there's so much that goes on around, you know, the, these guys have so much going on around them, so much pressure, so much outside noise. So, they're young kids playing the game, you know what I mean, of whether it is, you know, all the pressures uh, from families, pressures from everybody back home, expectations, you know, that come. I mean, these guys, you know, now it starts with recruiting. I mean, everybody's so hyped up in recruiting and, uh, you know, all of this. And, and so those pressures come with all of that. And then, you know, you're a student athlete. You're here trying to at one of the premier academic schools in the country trying to and you're competing in the classroom. Pressures of getting better. And then, you know, hey, OK, well, I want to go win a championship. And I think after the last years when we played them, we just, you know, I think we've kind of been eliminated from being able to play for the championship pretty much. And and you weren't focused on what's important, which is if they're going to keep score. On compete, you know the the motivation you need to go play the game is they turn the scoreboard on and someone counts keeps the score. That's the only motivate. I mean, that, you don't need any more. I mean, if you need more motivation than that, I mean, you're you're not much of a competitor. And but I think our, our guys maybe were, you know, they're being pulled in so many directions and forgetting the aspect of we got a shot. Hey, well, they're, they're gonna, that foot hits the ball next Saturday. They're gonna keep score and we want to win. And so we got to do everything in our power to make that happen. And, you know, and how we practice and how we prepare and, and all of that stuff. And that's what's important. And if you lose focus on that, that's when you can start to not play well.
and then after going back yeah how do you, how do you guys get Kadarius I mean look like the old Kadarius the other day I, we ask you this all the time how do you get the guy more touches I mean well we find different ways we found a couple different ways the other day you know we have him in the past game uh getting it and the thing is we have a lot of depth at receiver so you know i mean it's and and as you guys have seen it's not like always in the past game it's like okay just get this guy the ball we kind of take what the defense gets you know so it's not like we have a lot of plays that are designed just to get a specific receiver the ball we have lots of we have ways to move people around where we can expect to get them the ball uh but still, if they give you a certain coverage, you know, if we, if we call this play, they go, the ball's going to go here. Or if they run this defense, it'll go here. This defense will go here. This defense will go there. Uh, so, you know, we try to do the different things. I think we did the other day, move them into the backfield, throw them some, you know, a reverse pitch, try to get them a screen or those type of things. Because, like, you know, we saw the other day when he has the ball, exciting things happen. All right, Shane. So Florida, you know, they're in, they're in an interesting spot because – you know, in all likelihood, eliminated from the East, eliminated from the college football playoff. But you would not be able to tell that by the way they played last Saturday. They are still fighting hard for, you know, respect, trying to move up in the rankings, playing just in case Georgia slips. I mean, there's you can't rule out Georgia losing to Auburn. And the way Texas A&M is improving every week, you can't rule out Texas A&M beating Georgia. So yeah, I'm not saying there's no chance in hell, you know, and it seems like the, the Gators are playing that way. It seems like they're still fighting for everything. They're fighting for respect, fighting to move up in the rankings. And it'll be, I'm just fascinated to see if they're able to do that here. 11 a.m. in Columbia in this dry weather. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just, you know, one thing I, I like about Dan is, you know, what he's able to do with these boys behind the scene. I really think that he's a great motivator. And uh, I, I don't think that they're going to overlook any of these games because, you know, I guarantee that they had film on uh, when, uh, uh, what was it, Minnesota won. Mm-hmm. You know, they've probably got that floating around. They've they've probably got film out there talking about, you know, Alabama losing, things like that. You know, he's, he's a big propaganda guy, and I'm sure he's pumping these boys up, letting them know, hey, man, just, we just need a couple of things, a couple of breaks to go our way. And the only reason that we don't make it is if we don't dominate these teams on the way out. I mean, if they, if they, in their minds, if they can just do like they did last week and hang 50 points on everybody. And I mean, if you're talking like 50 to zero, mm-hmm. if you're able to do that the rest of the season and it, maybe it comes to an opportunity where they do allow a couple two lost teams in, it's going to be hard to keep a team like Florida out. You know, that does have some quality wins on their resume. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just think it's, it's huge for them going up in these last couple games, going to go to a really good bowl game, the mm-hmm. momentum, even if they don't accomplish their goals this year, uh, it's just big for the continued momentum of Dan Mullen's program. Uh, I, I'm just kind of curious to see how all that plays out. Yeah, no, it's going to be a good one. Should be a good game. What time is this one again? This will be uh, well noon your time, 11 a.m. Central. So Ooh, it's going to be one okay. of the first games of the day on Saturday. It's going to be a tidbit nip out there, huh? <laughs> I did look it up. It's like Gainesville's not that much temperature difference right now like it's cold right now like it's cooled down mm-hmm. and uh come kickoff i think it's going to be I, I think it's just going to be maybe like 10 20 degrees less but nothing like just you know not wyoming cold or anything you know well 
One thing I do know, Shane, once we start talking <laughs> weather, that's when our, that's that's when when our bets are off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Shane, let's jump on down to College Station. Giga Maggots. Where Jimbo Fisher met with the media here this week to preview the South Carolina matchup. And, you know, the Aggies quietly, obviously after, you know, the, some really tough games to start the season out, not great showings. But here in recent weeks, Shane, a lot of their young guys have really started to emerge. It seems like they're really starting to buy in and understand a little bit more of what Jimbo's asking them. Kellen Mond is not playing He's not putting up Heisman numbers or anything, but it just seems like he's fully grasping what Jimbo wants from him now, and it's just made the offense that much more effective on the field. Thoughts on Texas A&M, Shane, because you know, while they're going through a little bit of a lull here in the schedule, and I'm not necessarily talking about South Carolina, I'm talking about the games before, but I guess you could say the way South Carolina is playing, they could factor into that, but... Uh, Texas A&M's got some big games coming up here at the tail end. If they, you know, they've had two weeks to prepare for this one. Mm-hmm. If they continue to progress and do it against South Carolina, and then take a step forward, you know, I don't want to get too far ahead, but Georgia and LSU. I mean, these are games that are winnable for this team if they continue to progress. Uh, thoughts on the direction of uh, Jimbo's program there? Yeah, this is kind of a big game for both teams, I think, uh, you know, because there have been some rumblings about Jimbo. Um, you know, the, there's a lot, of, a lot of people weren't expecting three losses, even though I think you and I were, I mean, we really saw at least two on the schedule, possibly mm-hmm. three, you know, but uh, there's a lot of people that, that thinks maybe they should have been competing already with teams like Alabama and Clemson, you know. So, you know, they, they've had some some ugly games on their schedule. Uh, you think about the Arkansas one, you know, here's a team that you've uh, dubbed the, the worst team to ever play college football. You know, that one came down to the wire. So I, I think they've got to come out and prove here because if people remember what you do in November. If Jimbo's able to close out strong, it gives them some momentum in the off season, especially recruiting to build off of. It's a young team and uh, they're able to come back next year. Now, if you look the other side of the ball, you got Muschamp, Uh, You know, everybody wants to fire him, but they can't afford it, it feels like, you know. (laughs) So it's the same situation. Muschamp, nobody wants a victory more than him, I guarantee it, because when South Carolina's winning, people aren't pointing fingers up there. So that's what he wants. So uh, there's a lot riding on this game, man. Yeah, and how wild would it be, Shane? Muschamp can't beat Georgia, can't beat Texas (laughs) A&M. Losing all the other games, but then he here he is turns around and potentially wins these games that uh, can't beat Clemson. What if he beats Clemson too? Oh my God! I mean, imagine. Dude, don't they, they'd, they'd have to give him an extension, don't you think? Absolutely. You beat Clemson, that's an automatic at least one extra year on your contract. I would think so. Uh, trust me, nobody. I I, I want it. I, I want them to beat Clemson. Uh, uh, but they're gonna they're gonna have their hands full. And uh, you know, one thing about Texas A and M. They've had problems. If you look at their three losses, uh, you're talking Alabama, Clemson, Auburn. All three of those games, they never Texas A&M didn't have one running back have more than 30 yards rushing. You know, so you can't. If if South Carolina makes 
Mon the only weapon on that team, they have a chance to win it. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. I think that's going to be the game plan. Uh, I think that was a game plan last week with uh, Appalachian State, but they just, you know, they had some banged up players, and I think they're going to get them back this week. So uh, it should be an interesting ball game, man. Well, let's kick it over to Jimbo, Shane. I thought this was uh, some interesting comments on his young team and how they continue to progress. And then he really took a deep dive here on South Carolina's defensive line and a guy that is not getting enough respect nationally, I don't think, South Carolina receiver Brian Edwards. I think he's going to be all SEC. I think that's a no-brainer, but I think he may start popping up on some some All-American teams as well. I think you're at three scholarship seniors now, so I wanted to ask you, what is the good and bad of having such a young team? Well, I mean, I think the good is you see the future as if you keep progressing and getting better, which I think you can see. And you see a lot of us, you know, a lot of the guys that are making plays on offense and defense and even special teams. You see all that youth. You see the excitement. But at the same time, you know, you you wish they always could grow up and know more quicker. I mean, and handle situations, how to practice, how to do this, how to deal with that situation. So what comes, you know, but also that innocence sometimes gives you – they don't feel things at times either. You know what I mean? They don't realize what they're in time. They're just playing. And sometimes that's good too. So, But it's great, and I, th- I think that's who we are. Uh, and the good about it is that you can see that we've definitely recruited the right guys, and I think they got great futures. And we and I think where, where we're going and how we're getting there is the right way. We're playing the right way, doing the right things, and those guys are having a huge part of it, along with some of the upperclassmen who I think will come back and, and play very well. So I think you see the future is extremely bright. But at, at that time, you know, you're, there's, there's always a – as I say, a knucklehead thing that happens that has nothing to do with anything but one word, experience and time. And sometimes you got to fight through those things. Hey, Jimbo, their defensive line, Wanham gets a lot of headlines, Ken Law, but this Aaron Sterling guy's putting up some huge numbers. How much has he made them more complete? I mean, all the way across. You look at their defensive line, I, I say that they're, they're one of the top in this league. I mean, to say who's the top, you're, you can argue back and forth, but they're right there in that conversation. I mean, when you go across the board from ends, tackles, play the run, play the pass, be able to make him, I mean, stunts and, you know, so I got him one-on-one or on a run block, we can get him, and all of a sudden he stunts and he gets an inside stunt. Or, I mean, those guys are a pain now. They really are, and they're coached very well. So, and do a good job on defense. They are a complete defensive line, and, and having all those guys on the end and inside makes it tough. Hey, Coach, going back to Brian Edwards, what, what kind of threat is he, and what does he really well, add to that offense? I mean, you're talking about the leading receiver in school history at South Carolina. They've had some daggone good guys there. I mean, some good guys. They had a guy named Sterling Sharp there one time was pretty good too. <laughs> I mean, and they threw it back then with Todd Ellis. They threw it a bunch back then. So, I mean, this guy's big. He's long. He's physical can catch the underneath ball and run with it, can catch the ball over the top, can jump ball and get the ball. He's a punt return guy, got yards after catch, physical in the block. I mean, touchdown catches, red zone with his body. I mean, he, you know, he, he'll be a great pro. This guy's going to be a great pro. All right, Shane, I don't know if you caught it there, and I don't know if this is breaking news or anything, but you know, there was, there's been speculation that Kellen Mond may not return for his senior season. And I, I think a lot of that was, you know, more in the preseason than anything. But just based on Jimbo's comments, they're talking about what a young team he's got and then his kind of upperclassmen returning. Yeah. It certainly sounds like he is indicating that Kellen Maude will be back, which I, obviously I think is the right move for him. But I just thought that was kind of noteworthy. And then uh, Jimbo makes, a, you know, a great point and kind of something you hit on there. If, if they can't run the ball, they're going up against one of the SEC's best defensive lines. I mean, that's been a great equalizer for both these squads, Texas A&M and South Carolina. When South Carolina can rush the ball, they're beating everybody. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's going to be really interesting how this plays out 
And uh, this this is going to be one of the bigger games of the weekend in the SEC. Absolutely. And Texas A&M, boy, they've had two weeks to prepare for this bad boy. So I don't, I don't think they're going to overlook them. But, uh, you know, it's still going to be it's still going to be a pretty good ball game. I mean, this one, well, I think it's for a trophy, too, right, Mike? We don't <laughs> we don't know what the name of it is, but it's collecting dust somewhere in one of these vaults. But uh, <laughs> we need to do a history lesson on that one. <laughs> well, Shane, we can't talk South Carolina without a little bit of hot seat talk. Oh, baby. Oh my God, we're burning alive! Damn hot, real hot. Hot as this is by shorts, I can cook things in it. Do the clutch clutch cooking. Well, can you tell me what it feels like? Fool, what is hot? I told you again. When you're born on the sun, it's damn hot. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Shane, jumping in down to Columbia, South Carolina. Will Muschamp met with the media here on Tuesday. And wouldn't you know it, Shane, once again, this guy's getting peppered with questions about mm. uh, staff changes and, you know, if the if the fans are buying in and, uh, you know, what is his message to the, all them and everything. So we'll get to those clips in a minute here. But how distracting is this or is it at all, do you think? Because uh, it seems like, you know, sometimes this, this buries programs. It buries yeah. weaker coaches. But we've also seen, on the other hand, I mean, hell, how many people were saying, as stupid as this was, and we never said it because we knew how fucking stupid it was, Philip Fulmer taking over in Tennessee. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's coaches that are able to block this crap out and continue to focus. And Will Muschamp's obviously been through this situation down at Florida, so he should have some experience. And I feel like there was some of this talk leading into the Georgia game. So we've already seen where maybe they kind of can, I don't want to say cancel out the noise or what have you, but just kind of quiet it down. Uh, Thoughts on the preparation and the focus there at South Carolina this week with, like I said, I don't think this guy's on like the hottest of hot seats by any means, but Mm -mm. you can't ignore this stuff when when you got these damn boosters coming out and saying this stuff and you got opposing coaches (laughs) coming out and all the damn fans are mad and everything. So just – how focused will South Carolina be on this game, do you think, considering all the drama surrounding it? And here you are. You just want a good you just want a good ball team, Mike, you know, and you're you're mad at your coach and you turn on SEC and there he is with Marty McGee singing a damn song in a truck <laughs> and you just want to throw your remote through the TV. <laughs> he should have been crooting that day, man. <laughs> oh man, he wasted all that time. He could have been crooting, you know. Could have been could have been training up or studying up a little bit more on that uh, Appalachian State game, but uh, I don't know. Anyway, we I, I digress. Is that a word? I'm using it. Yep. Uh, okay, here's what I'm saying about South Carolina. Muschamp has had his back against the wall already this season. Like you said, going into that Georgia game, that it was the same narrative. These these guys. And I don't know what he's done to piss these reporters off, but they're not afraid to ask the questions down there, and they're not afraid of his responses. You know what I'm saying? So I, I think he, you know he's coming back next year. He needs to work on this in the offseason. Just watch hours and hours of saving footage. Watch hours and hours of Pruitt footage, and and you you can change the narrative at these press conferences by your questions and how you answers and how you interact. And I think when he got all 
jovial. I think he he you know he let the 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 fox in the hen house here. You know it, because these guys are not to, they're not afraid to fire them off, and they should be. These are questions people want to know. There's you know there are answers we want to know, mm-hmm. uh, but usually you don't see them in some of these uh, at some of these teams. You know so, but anyway. Um, now, he's had his back against the wall, and he's answered. He went down to Georgia. He beat the Georgia Bulldogs. Um, so he's fully capable of, of taking a team, this team, and beating anybody in the nation because, you know, we're, we Georgia's number four team in the nation. So uh, I think he has the ability to beat Texas A&M. I, I think he has the ability to beat University of Clemson, you know, but – the players, they've got to buy in. They've got to play phenomenal here on out. You cannot have Holinsky missing open people. You can't have receivers dropping the ball. you got to get healthy. we got to get the running game going. There's a lot of things that have to happen for South Carolina to win, win out, obviously, but this team's fully capable of doing it, and it all starts with the ball coach. Mm-hmm. Well, let's kick it over to him, Shane. Will Muschamp here on kind of had a lot to say here on, on the receiving core and how limited they are at the moment. Uh, like I said, the lack of progress from his program here this season, a message to the fans, uh, changes to the offensive line. And then uh, this one specifically, I want to ask you on the back end, it sounds like they're leaving the door open for Jake Bentley. I know he's a senior, but he never redshirted. So it's, I think they're going to use this as his redshirt year, obviously, and okay. on a potential return for 2020. Will when Chai's out and Chavis is out, just mm-hmm. how limited are you in terms of just attacking downfield with with just Brian seemingly as your only downfield. Well, I mean threat. that's just it you become very predictable obviously and and when you don't have really a you know a vertical threat that people have seen and obviously we think Xavier as a young player is a very promising and has got a got a huge upside and is going to be a a really good football player for us but just hasn't done it consistently on our level and um you know it certainly limits you uh, as far as some things you know as far as some of the run boxes you're going to face aren't going to be very favorable. And, and we've got to be able to get people off of us. Will, do you want him to come back and play next year? And when I, do you expect that decision? I do. And I think, again, we, we talked about December. You know, Gene, we talked about, you know, we, we're going to let the season get, get over and then uh, regular season. And then as we move into December, we'll have those discussions. Well, on your Sunday teleconference, you kind of talked about progress being made. Is Have you made the progress you wanted to in year four? And if not, just kind of what's been the biggest hindrance maybe to well, that? Well, this is a results business. It's about winning games at the end of the day, and we haven't won enough games. So that's that's the bottom line. So, uh, you know, as far as the the main progress that needs to be made is winning football games. So we haven't made that progress. I think over a three-year period of time, this staff's won more games than anybody, any staff has in school history. So we actually have done a couple of good things around here. Okay, and we've had a very inconsistent year, and I'll continue to evaluate that. And when the season over, make the decision we need to make moving forward. Going off of that, well, there was a report yesterday in Football Scoop, uh, basically said that the administration is uh, putting a little pressure on maybe making some staff changes. Is that true? And no, do you ant- that's absolutely false. Okay, and no one has said anything to me about anything about staff changes. Do you anticipate any staff changes? I'll evaluate the staff when the year's over with them, just like I always do. Well, what's your message to the fans who have lost faith in this staff now in year four? Um, you know, again, I, I, we've had in our first three years some, a lot of more success than anybody else has, and we haven't played as consistently as we need to, and there's some things that we need to address as we move forward and uh, you know, continue to support these players. 
uh, continue to support you know, what they do. We've got another home game and, and uh, we need to get two wins and go to a bowl game. So, uh, you know, we've had some success here before that some other people haven't. And uh, we look forward to a long tenure here at South Carolina. Are you guys considering any offensive line personnel changes? No, no. I, I feel like that, uh, you know, obviously we didn't weren't as effective as we needed to be Saturday night. And uh, uh, we certainly are more, more than capable of playing better. Well, looking at the drop passes Saturday, how much of that was a lot of young receivers maybe just not having that experience, and how much was it anything else? Well, I mean, again, I think there were some some traffic you know, throws that were you know going across the middle, and a body flashes in front. You got to keep focused and stay on the ball and catch the back tip of the ball in the, some of those situations. But you know, the bottom line is the ball hits your hands. You need to catch the football, and that's uh, get on the jugs a little bit more. And, we, and I know Brian's been been that with some of the receivers. Uh, as we continue to move forward. All right, Shane, so a lot going on there from Old Wheel Muschamp. Hot seats heating up a little bit there, but, you know, aside that, we've we've discussed that at length. So I, what I really want to ask you on this one, I thought the, the biggest revelation, because I thought this was kind of a foregone conclusion, it still could be, but it's interesting to hear his comments there on Jake Bentley. And, you know, I, it was on a recent podcast – you know, I'm not trying to talk out of both sides of my mouth here, but you don't always want a true freshman playing in the SEC. Obviously, Holinsky's not going to be a freshman next season, so mm-hmm. I think they have been hurt by not having Jake Bentley on the field. Uh, not to say he's like some awesome talent that's better than Holinsky or anything, but just his understanding of the offense and the players and everything that goes with all the experience. But I just don't see how... And I'm already starting starting to see a lot of fans react this way. I do not see how you can bring Jake Bentley back to this team, considering the fact you have Halinski. I mean, that it's going to make for a really weird dynamic if they were to do that. And I don't know if you know this, Shane, but South Carolina also has an elite quarterback commit. I believe his last name's Dowdy from. Uh, I think he's from South Carolina. So you yep. got. I don't know. You never make personnel decisions to ruffle the feathers of recruits, I don't think, because if recruits are, are bothered by that stuff, they they don't have the makeup to play at college football, in my mind. But I just don't understand. Uh, I understand why Muschamp would say this, but in reality, I just don't think Jake Bentley has a future at South Carolina. What are your thoughts on that? It's a, it's a man, it's a weird dynamic there. And uh, I mean, because his dad's coaching there. So that's, right. that's a factor. So I think if things don't, if things don't go well, there's who's who's to say dad doesn't lose his job, you know, and this isn't just something that they uh, like a mutual release instead of his dad getting fired, just be like, Hey, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to go away because my son's decided to play somewhere else or something like that. You know, I, nobody, I mean, we're going to eventually find out what happened, but, but do you want Bentley? I mean, I think if you're must champ, I think you want him, man. I, I think, I, I hope they don't lie to him mm-hmm. and tell him that he has an opportunity to be the, starting quarterback next year i don't know i mean what what do you do because there's there would have been plenty of times this year that that Halinski would have got yanked man that bentley would have been in there and, and maybe he would have provided the spark that they needed that who knows they they may have a better record now mm-hmm. if bentley was in there we've seen it with tennessee 
Mm-hmm. Garantano didn't start out great, you know, and then eventually throughout the season, he came in there and provided spark when needed and, and helped Tennessee win games. I think Bentley could have done the same thing at South Carolina. So if I must champ, yeah, I'm do, I'm trying to get him to come back. He's he's he is South Carolina. I mean, he loves that team. But if you're Bentley, how do you do that? It's not this isn't the uh, the Jalen situation where he's got a whole year. You know, he's he's got one last shot, and is he going to do it on the bench or is he going to go somewhere and 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 create some film so because he wants to play in NFL. You know, right now, that's a good point. So I like that you countered me, Shane. So I could, I mean. That's, you made a lot of good points there. And then just quickly, what are your thoughts on this? Let's just say, and I have no indication that this is what Jake Bentley is leading to do, but I think it makes sense that he you know, leaves and is a graduate transfer. Mm-hmm. Do, I think he, do I think he will? No, what I was going to ask you is it seems like there's several spots in the SEC, <laughs> and I'm looking at Georgia. I'm looking at LSU. I'm looking at... Texas A&M, if uh, Kellen Mond were to go pro or something like I'm, I'm looking at Alabama. Any chance that old Jake Bentley, hell, Shane, Arkansas, depending on who takes over there, any chance another school, is there a school maybe you see where Jake Bentley being an ideal fit if he were to leave South Carolina and stay in the SEC? Mm, that's that's good. And, and obviously Vanderbilt is on top of that list. Oh, I mean, Vanderbilt? I, I, Mm-hmm. You know, I think he'd be a guaranteed start. I mean, he's going to go to go somewhere that he could play immediately. Uh, we've joked about him, and uh, we've been with him through the whole season, but you can't rule Arkansas out. I mean, we don't know KJ's going to be ready next year, but if you have somebody like uh, uh, Bentley up there, you know, somebody that he really can learn from, you know, mm-hmm. that would be a good landing spot for him. So uh, those are two teams that, that I would be leaning more toward. I, I think that the, the other ones would be tough. Oh um, wait! I just thought of one more. Sorry, I, sorry, I forgot about Georgia. This. Well, I said that one, but how about Missouri yeah. with Kelly Bryant gone? I mean, that's why Kelly went up there to learn from Dooley, get better expertise on the NFL. If Dooley's still there, oh Dooley I, and Bentley. <laughs> I know. And then, yeah, that's a that's a good one. But I don't know. Are they are they trying to go more toward the the RPO? Not saying that Bentley can't run it, but. You know, I don't know. I, I think, I don't know. There's a, there's a lot of lot of interesting. I would it wouldn't surprise me if he leaves the SEC to be to be completely honest. Somebody where he doesn't have to play South Carolina. He doesn't. You know, yeah. he just you know just kind of creates his own narrative. And uh, um, I think I think that's the move for him. But I've seen crazier things. All right, Shane. Last game we got to break down here. Let's jump on down to Nashville. Take it down. With Derek Mason met with the media here on Tuesday. The Commodores are in a tough spot here, Shane, coming off that 56-0 shutout against Florida. Of course, they're going to be playing a significantly different offense. It's kind of, you know, it's funny that you said uh, you called Kentucky kind of the wing tee. That's ba- that's exactly how Derek Mason called it, and we've seen this offense of Kentucky gets stifled by Georgia and to a degree Tennessee after some first quarter adjustments I know Vanderbilt doesn't have the talent of those teams but certainly Derek Mason a solid coach here on the defensive side of the ball you would think Vanderbilt would be able to scheme up some stuff mm-hmm. but I don't know what's your what's your thoughts on this matchup Shane because Vanderbilt desperately needs a win here I think it's fair to say Kentucky kind of I don't want to say floundering because they've won a couple games here, but when 
after everything they put into that Tennessee game and to still come up short, I'm very curious to see how they respond on the road. I think this is a dangerous game for Kentucky. I think if they don't come out and have the right focus and energy, I think Vanderbilt could sneak up on them. I think they got to – I mean, Kentucky can run the ball, man. I mean, they've been doing it week after week after week, and and I I think Vanderbilt's really had a hard time of stopping it. Now, Florida didn't really exploit that much, but they didn't really need to. Right. Um, You know, but I I think Vanderbilt, that defense isn't as – I don't know. I thought it would be better. Uh, honestly, I thought this was going to be the year that that Vanderbilt took the step forward, especially on the offensive side of the ball. But I thought, you know, Mason coming out, he sold me. He made me sound like this was the best defense that he was ever going to have, and and uh, I kept waiting for it to happen, and we've just not seen it. And and uh, I think they're struggling, man. They're really struggling here at the end. And and I don't know if you've lost the locker room, but when you only had what two victories mm-hmm. all season, it's really hard to get hopped up for a game, you know. Unless you're a senior and this is your last opportunity, you know, or something like that, or or maybe you're trying to work your way up the the depth chart for the next season. I just I, I know Mason's pumped up because his back's against the wall, but. You know, I don't know about this team, though, because I didn't see a lot of energy in that Florida game. Yeah, maybe they just have to come out and also fight for their coach, you know? Yeah, it's, I mean. That's it, something to consider as well. And and do they, and does, do they have the coaches back? But, you know, because here you heard just a few weeks ago the, the media was asking questions about the, the locker room and Coach Mason act like he didn't even know what was going on. So, right. you know, I, how attached is he to that locker room? That's an, that's a good point. So let's kick it over to Mason Shane, who recently said, you know, after that Florida game, changes need to be made. He kind of clarifies what he was talking about there on the uh, status of uh, Mo Hassan and Riley Neal. Sounds like the, the Commodores getting a quarterback back this week, so that's solid. And then on the message to his team, given their struggles, this is always a you know a tough question at this time of year, but it's one that Derek Mason is facing. After last week's game, he said in your post-game presser, you're going to have to make some changes. What does that mean for this week and for this Saturday? Well, I mean, it's, it's schematical. Uh, you know, in a little bit. I mean, it's, it's a different type of ball game. So you got to make some schematical changes. You've you got to make some personnel changes. It's good to get Riley back. And obviously, um, you know, I mean, having, having a quarterback who can operate, you know, in the way you want to operate, uh, you know, in terms of being able to push it down the field and give yourself – Give yourselves an opportunity to, you know, spit it out and and, and run, um, and as well as play action, get the protections flipped. Um, I mean, that's important. But then you also got to look at, at at any other, you know, opportunities been to get better. You know, I mean, you got to put your best guys on the field. I'm not saying that we haven't, but you know, I mean, if guys aren't playing well, we've got to be able to look at that too. And and you know, and looking at you know where we are. Um, you know, I mean, defensively, you know, I mean, there's some guys that are coming along defensively, um, and guys that have had to play I mean, a high ton of snaps, and you just got to make sure, from a rotational standpoint, uh, you you can you can continue to utilize your depth or get or get guys on there. You know, right now who aren't as dinged up, and uh, and, and and as I've looked at it, man, we've been we've been we we've, we've been able to talk about. Uh, at the beginning of the week, how are we going to maximize, you know, in the roster? I think you always start with players and then you work work to scheme, but you don't go the other way around. You know, it's still a player's game. And I think with that, you know, start using that as a starting point, we were able to, you know, I mean, get to the right fits and getting the right personnel on the field. So that's what this game's going to look like for us. I mean, it's a, it's a matchup game, a pure matchup game, and we're going to have to make sure, again, that we match up uh, to give us a chance. 
Is there any possibility of Mo returning this year, or is he, do you know for sure if he's out or not long term? I saw Mo, you know, in that practice today, and that was, you know, made good to see him out there. Uh, you know, I mean, he wasn't dressed, so, um, and I, I, he's doubtful. You know, for this week, but Mo's mindset is you mean to get back. It's just been a slow process. Like I've said before, uh, you know, with concussions, everyone is different. So, like for him, I mean, he hasn't he hasn't walked away from it. He hasn't checked out of it. I think he's very much into the idea of you know, returning as fast as he can. But again, we're going to be safe and you know, smart with what we do. Riley came off the bench to a touchdown pass to finish the Missouri game, and he came out to a touchdown pass on a drive at the beginning of the South Carolina game. Did you sense more of a comfort level with him after essentially losing his job for part of one game and then coming back? He looked more comfortable when he got back. I think he is more comfortable. I think, you know, for him, uh, I've been asking, you know, him for a while just to continue to push himself to play faster and practice so that games slow down for him. And I think that's exactly what he had, you know, began to do, you know, before the injury. And, and, And even watching him out, uh, man of practice, he was much more intentional about, you know, talking to guys and looking at, you know, what we were doing schematically and even, like, during the protocols, you know, like, for him, you know, I mean, he was taking every mental rep, and and, and that was something before, like, Riley had, had worked, but I think this was a different type of uh, a workload for him, and, I, and like I told him, like, in this conference, man, you have to prepare differently. It's, it's not any place that you've been before. Every place every place in this conference is new, and, and every team that you play is formidable. So, um, and the preparation, the sense of urgency has been greater, much greater um, since, since that time. And I think for him, uh, you know, as he's benefited and started to become better, you know, he makes us better. Derek, what's your message to the team this week and for the rest of the year, given your record is what it is? Yeah, one day. One day, I mean that—that's—that's that's what you do, man. You take it one day at a time, man. You put—you put a good day's worth of work together, and then what you do is, man, you—you—you you, you try to make sure man, that you can move it from you know today, you know, until tomorrow, and then uh, at the end of the week, man, you—you've—you've you've got a cumulative body of work, man, that hopefully, you know, maybe gives you the confidence to go do what you do. And if you do it fast, if you do it hard, and if you understand, you know, what the game is going to be, and you go into it the right way, you know, the ball finds energy. That's the one thing about football. Football finds energy. And so, I mean, when you can create your energy, okay, man, you're confident in what you do, you, you can play the game and not have to worry. And right now, you know, that's that's exactly what we got to be focused on, you know, letting 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 our energy find the ball and letting the ball find us. And if we do that, then we'll be good. All right, Shane, so Vanderbilt, man, so they went through the, you know, the slate there early, some really, really tough teams. It just seems like they've never quite recovered from that. But it's still, with Kentucky, ETSU, and Tennessee, I know they're they're not going to be favored in two of those games, but I don't think it's out of this world to say, you know, if they get some consistency at the quarterback position, if the defense plays a little bit better, I mean, they can get some momentum going into the offseason. I think this is, this is kind of Kentucky's last, or excuse me, Vanderbilt's last stand to kind of show something because I think if they lose this one particularly, if they lose it by a large margin, I mean, it's kind of like they're just waving the white flag at this point. Yeah, uh, and that's it. They're, they're, they're going to have to make a decision this week, man. It, it felt like this team's been kind of in limbo. You know, the Missouri game really caught you and me both, and I think the nation off guard. We weren't expecting that. We thought, damn, here we go. Bandy making that late push like they usually do. and. And then they just trailed off, you know, scored seven points in the last two games. So 
uh, is this a week that they rally and, and take that step forward? Because again, people remember what you do in November, and if they could close out and beat Tennessee again, I mean, Mason retains his position. You know, they get a little, little, uh, I don't know, a little juice right there before recruiting season. You mm-hmm. never know what happened, but or do they take the 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 path of least resistant do these these studs not decide they don't want to play you know and and does the team fall apart and did they lose out and mason lose his job so i mean if it honestly it feels like you're going to take the red pill the blue pill you know so what are they (laughs) going to do this week mike all right shane let's jump it down to lexington mark stoops met with the media this week to preview this matchup and you know, we don't have the beginning of his audio here, but he just really stressed the fact that, you know, they're so, they were very frustrated with that Tennessee game. Basically, you know, they almost stole it there from Tennessee. They dominated in a lot of aspects. We already covered that this week on this show, but and they still, to come away with a loss is very, very demoralizing. And I'm a little concerned with how Kentucky's going to respond. When you got two weeks to prepare, when you outplay the opponent for the vast majority of the game, and you still come up short, Shane, I think in college football in particular, sometimes it's very, very difficult to get back up off the mat when you put so much into a game like that, and you you probably should have won it. Uh, thoughts on how Kentucky responds in this, this matchup here against Vanderbilt? I think you stick with what's working. Um you know there was there was opportunities last week to win this game and and they kind of got away from it and you know I, I I've, I've noticed a few people a little upset about Bowden Saturday but man the, the kid you know I, I honestly I feel like he's a quarterback that like he that's what he wants to be but he's trapped in a in a, in a wide receiver body you know what I'm saying it's just he doesn't have the mechanics needed to be a, a a quarterback, but he does have the mechanics to be a, that X factor for the Kentucky Wildcats and get three, four, seven, ten yards at a time. You know, he's a, he's he's very dynamic, and they they just got to keep doing that. You you keep doing that, you're going to win. You're going you're probably going to win the rest of your. Who they got the rest of the season? They got Vanderbilt, and then who they got after them? Uh, then they got UT Martin at home, and yeah. then they finish the season in Louisville. Louisville, which okay. has shown some life, but. I mean, hell, Shane. They, they, there's an outstanding chance they win all of them. Yeah, just just keep your script going. You'll be fine. You'll win out. Um, uh, just you know, don't 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 get cute here at the end. You don't have to be. Just rely on your your offense to keep the defense on the field. Keep your boys rested when they come in there. Give everything you got to get a three and out. I mean, that's that's the that's what you have. Next year, we're going to try something different. You'll have Terry back and. Uh, but let's let's close out the season doing what you're good at, and that's running the ball. Now, the only issue there, Shane, with Bowden, Bowden. <laughs> I got you, got you guessing now. <laughs> Bowtie. <laughs> the only problem there with the way they're running their offense, Shane, and it's kind of brought up here in Mark Stoops' presser, but how do you get that consistency going with the passing game, the way you're going about it, and we just saw it against Tennessee. You can be dominant in so many statistical categories, but when you're not getting in the end zone, when you're basically a non-factor in the passing game, and teams know what you're going to do, I mean, it's it's incredibly hard 
to keep doing it. I know they've been very successful despite mm-hmm. the fact that defenses kind of know what's coming, but they're still managed to do it. It's, you know, it speaks to just how efficient they are on offense and the job Eddie Grant's doing. But uh, I mean, it's incredibly difficult to accomplish that. Uh, so let's kick it over to Mark Stoops discussing that. And then on uh, Lynn's ability to throw the ball, can he do it? I mean, I've seen some games where it looks like he can, but in that Tennessee game, uh, it, it clearly it was not his day throwing the ball. We've been moving the football. Mark, Mark, how hard would that be, though, when you're essentially running the wishbone, to, more or less, to then throw in a passing quarterback and you know start running the spread? Just, I mean, how it, realistic is that? It, it is hard. However, we do work on our base offense all week, and Lynn does it as well. So if Lynn's not a quarterback, all of our players and the route running and everything is still there. Our, our, you know, a, a lot of the core of our offense is still there. Now some of the unique plays built for Lynn are totally, totally new. But just in terms of timing and all that, I would think it would be really hard to do. It, it is hard. It is. There, there's no question. Um, you know, uh, there's no doubt about it. You, you have to, uh, you know, continue to build to your strengths. And uh, which you feel give you the best opportunity to win. It's tough. When you said you're confident in Lynn's throwing abilities, passing, is he confident in his throwing ability? It seemed like there were some plays where they're called pass plays, but he took off running, which I don't blame him. He can really run the ball. And is there a fine line there? It, it is. You know, it's it's a it's a tough balance there, um, truthfully, because Lynn really does have confidence in throwing ability and wants to throw it. And probably at times you know, wants to keep them more off balance, and we do as well. You know, you watch that game, and here, here's, a, here's part of it. They didn't necessarily play a lot like Missouri, where they just completely loaded the box. You know, as I told you against Missouri, I felt like there were definitely pass plays there. The weather dictated it, and we were creating some explosive plays in the run game. So we didn't have to go to it as much by the way they were playing. Tennessee didn't go to that extreme. They mixed it in and, and did a nice job, but again, we created very explosive run plays. Um, but they didn't just wholesale put everybody up there, um, you know, to, to, to just give us some, uh, I should say, you know, give us the greater opportunity of throwing the ball, you know. So you have to see how teams play you um, because those guys have been covering good. So a couple of those. <coughs> You know, we had some pass plays. It wasn't like he had quick, you know, really free throws. And there's times where that takes, um, you know, a rhythm. It takes timing. It takes, you know, proper reads on the side. And he he does a lot of things good. Um, We just got to try to put him in the best position we can. And predictable pass is not the best situation to be in. You know, the thing that drives me nuts is, you know, you're, you're trying to compare teams. And you can't. You know, Tennessee has – their defense has been playing phenomenal lately. Now, say what you want. They're they're not the best defense in the SEC, but they're moving up, you know. And, and then you got teams like Georgia. You know, they're able to – they're able to create defensive plays that prevent passes and runs. You know what I'm saying? You know, something Coach talks about is Missouri sold out to the run. You know, Vanderbilt is going to sell out toward the run they have to they they can't afford to 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 put a few in the box and and, and keep uh, an eye on those receivers the entire time that they're just their defense isn't equipped for it this year you know what i'm saying so mm-hmm. i i think if if eddie comes out and, and has a couple of scripted passes 
for for uh, for Bowden, I think they'll be fine, man. I think he'll be, you know, just some easy routes, some, you know, some surefire bets because these guys are going to be loading the box. Yeah, I mean, I think that's what they're going to have to do. So it, this is going to be another interesting one where I think more than anything, more than just the final results, because obviously Kentucky's going to be favored. I'm, I'm just going to be fascinated to see which team shows up if they both do. I mean that—that's obviously what you're going to want to see. But I got a good—I got a feeling that uh, you know one of these teams is going to very is going to struggle to show up and give their A game, and I'm kind of leaning towards Kentucky at this point, given all that we've seen. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I, if you, obviously I give the coaching edge to Mark Stoops over Derek Mason, so uh, we'll just have to see which coach gets his team more prepared this week. So you're le- you're leaning more toward Vanderbilt with the victory? Is that what you're saying? Well, I wouldn't necessarily say victory, but I just – man, it's kind of like I said there, Shane. Two weeks putting everything into that Tennessee game mm-hmm. and you lose the way you lost when you dominated the football game. I just think it's incredibly hard for them to just wipe that slate clean and just show up and do it again against Vanderbilt. I think, I think there's going to be a serious hangover effect for the Wildcats this week. I got you. Okay, I see what you're saying. Well, and probably the the basketball game. Sorry about that, fellas. We just found out that you lost to uh, what are they called again? Evansville. The yeah, what, what was the purple something? Purple. The purple people eaters. <laughs> God, that sucks, man. Hey, there's plenty of bourbon up there, boys. You know, and it's early in the season. They'll be fine, you know. But damn, they took some L's this week, Mike. They sure did, Shane. And uh, that's all I got on this one. You got anything before we hop off here? Mm, uh, no, I, I won't be here tomorrow. Uh, I don't want to disappoint you guys, uh, but Mike's going to be coming out uh, doing his thing. Um, I apologize. Just I've got a work thing I've got to do, uh, which requires a lot of drinking and a lot of kiss ass. So uh, I'm sorry, but I will be back uh, Friday morning for the, the pick and pod. All right, Shane. So that's going to do it on this one. And don't forget, uh, please give us a uh five-star rating and reviews apple Podcasts. Uh, you fill that out for us and we'll send you a koozie free of charge hit us up on uh, that sec podcast at gmail.com and we'll be happy to hook that up for you so that's going to do it shane thanks for joining me as always thank you everyone for tuning in we'll catch you on the next one all right see you guys go balls. <laughs>